Greetings, podcast listeners. This is Liz. And this is Melissa. And you are now listening to Odds and Ends Podcast. Boom. (laughs) I think you should leave that in. Yeah, for sure. number nine episode nine and we're filming from a different location yes we are recording we're not filming is oh, someone filming it. us no no <laughs> yikes <laughs> filming you kids in your technological terms i know grandma this we, is recording voice we're recording we have melissa back in the closet yeah we are we're in my closet because uh we're trying to do some stuff to improve our audio quality and someone told me that recording in a small space like a closet is good so we're gonna try that but i think some new audio equipment's on the way Ooh, i don't know i kind of like it, it smells like fresh laundry in here it does i'm sitting right next to my dirty clothes hamper so Ooh, <laughs> i let you sit over there by the clean clothes <laughs> i see a back scratcher in here too and one of those theracanes yeah i do i have a massage little hook thing and uh yeah i always have a spot in the middle of my back you know the spot that you just can't reach Mm -hmm. like if you go up and over or down and under and around Mm -hmm. unless you do yoga a lot yeah which yeah my shoulder (laughs) mobility is not that of a yogi so i have a back scratcher because sometimes that spot itches and it just you can't get to it that's important yeah having an itch-free back is just the way to live your life that's as you know you're getting older yeah get a back scratcher i actually got glasses chains Oh, you did? I did eyeglasses chains from Alinea. Shout out to Alinea for my B-Day. This is a huge life event. I can't believe you didn't lead with that information. I know. I was trying to seem cool and hip, <laughs> but I'm so excited. I've been saving that tidbit to share. Liz, She's... you're not cool and hip. Let's just accept it. <laughs> I have about myself. You should see me at the nursing home, though. They think I'm cool. Yeah, I'll bet they do. <laughs> So you got a glasses chain. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. you're not wearing it right now, but maybe next I week know. or next time I we record. I left them at home. I'm so disappointed in myself. It's fine. There's more times to come. We will see each other again. Good. We better. Hopefully. Knock on wood. I just jinxed it. Oh, golly. It. Oh, golly. So, um, and you got a dog. I... This is another big, you got glasses chains and a dog. Life is just looking up right now. It's I... wild. I know I I got a labradoodle, so fortunately for my hypoallergenicness, I've only gotten a little itchy. That's good, <laughs> and it's more from um, I think when he gets into stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I'm telling myself because I want to snuggle him and I gave him a bath and I get to hug on him and yeah. he's a really good boy. He he's, looks like a sweet boy. His, I can't wait to meet him. I can't. He can't wait to meet you. I'm sure. I told him all about his auntie Melissa. Woof. His His name. He got rehomed to our home. He's now rehomed in a new home. Home. (laughs) His name is Doctor Sigmund Freud. (laughs) Oh. Oh, Or Siggy for short. But I, you know, when I put in the new patient information at the vet. I put Dr. Sigmund Freud, so I get emails now, Dr. Sigmund Freud's appointment's coming up, and I was like, ha, 
you're on the other side of the table now, Dr. Freud. <laughs> and they're going to put a thermometer in your butt. <laughs> a little psych humor. How you like them apples. Well, that's you? great. Anything I love... exciting happening with you? Um, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to check in. Not really. Been uh, roller skating a lot. That's um, exciting. Not uh, getting incrementally better slowly. It's really fun. I haven't had a big smash and crash yet. If anyone out there roller skates and has tips, please let me know. But I found some good YouTube or not YouTube. No, um, Instagram tutorials. YouTube tutorials are too long. Mm. I lose interest after like the first couple of minutes. But those little short like reels on Instagram are really good. And there's a lot of oh, skaters yeah. that put I'm like 15 seconds is all I need to learn. Ooh, there you go. So. Yeah, been doing that, but otherwise, eh, that's not, exciting. Uh, there's nothing too interesting or eventful. We have mice, and we have to call an exterminator. You know what? Sometimes not having a really big eventful th- things happening is can also be a good thing. Yeah, that, that was the sentence. It was. It was a good one. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, we're getting our carpets cleaned soon. It's just like regular life stuff. That's like, well, you know what? When you've been through shit, sometimes regular life stuff is good yeah i'm fine with the regular life stuff it's all good so and clean carpets rocks oh my god yes i love freshly shampooed carpets uh, i just bought a floor cleaner like my or floor uh, what is it called the carpet cleaner uh-huh. i'm doing the gesture now as one would when you're vacuuming this, this helps this could also be suggestive we're in the closet so. <laughs> you, you're, yes that's a very weird like strokey back and forth looking motion you're doing there. You back in the closet now making dick jokes yeah oh goodness gracious <laughs> but i got really excited because i was like i've reached adulthood this is the pinnacle i love using this thing yeah that's so exciting so we're really cool Oh, my God. Wow, you guys. Oh, dear. Well, let's get into our stories, shall we? Sure. Do you want to paper, rock, scissors for who goes first? Oh, sure. All right. Just one out of one? One one out of one. Sure. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? okay. Wait, wait, wait. Do oh, we go oh. one, two, three, shoot, or do we go one, two, three, and go on three? Uh, okay. Well, uh, one, two, three, shoot. One, one two, three, shoot. shoot. Okay, okay, ready? Ready? One, one two, two, three, shoot. shoot. Ooh! Oh, you won. Does that mean you go first or second? Oh, we probably should decide that. <laughs> I think I win, so I get to decide. Okay. Uh, oh, man. No, I don't like that. That's too much pressure. Either I think you I'm should nice go first. Or I'm, I'm sorry. I think you should go first because I went first last week. How about okay. that? Okay. How about that, that apples? Sounds, uh, I did have fun playing Paper, Rock, Scissors or Rochambeau. Rochambeau. Have you never heard of that? I have. Oh, okay. It's just what old people say. So I know. There you go. Sorry if anyone says that and you're not um, old. But... Well, I do. I I have a, another, um, this one doesn't, I mean, there's, I always try to like sum it up in the beginning and then I realize that I'm like, just, <laughs> just go, go off your notes, Liz. So, um, okay, trigger warning. This is a pretty um, intense, mature content warning. Y'all can fast forward to Melissa's unless hers is intense. Um, Mine's but, not. Um, there's some more. Uh, talk of, you know, dead people yeah, um, and things. So, um, yeah. Okay, here we go. We're jumping in now. Okay, I'm ready. So, Edward Theodore Gein was born... Oh, no! August 27, <laughs> 1906, and is also known as the Butcher Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul. 
or as I, most of us know of him, Ed Gein. <laughs> yes, we do know him. You know what, though? Huh. I've never actually heard... I know of Ed Gein, but I've never actually heard this story because okay. I've avoided it like the plague. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I was in the same boat as you. I was like, we all know like tales of it, kind of the gist. Yeah. My dad refers to him as Little Eddie Gein. <laughs> Little Eddie. <laughs> Little Eddie Gein. Oh boy. So um, I, yeah, we'll talk about his crimes. We'll talk about the intensity of it. But I also really found his early life to be interesting and something that I really wanted to touch on kind of where he came from, because Mm -hmm. like you're saying, a lot of people know of the crimes, um, but not really where he came from. So he is a serial killer infamous for skinning human corpses. In case anyone on here has not heard of him. And Ed attracted the attention of the police in 1957 when a hardware store owner named Bernice Warden went missing. And first of all, let me say, owning a hardware store in the 50s just sounds like a delightful way of life. Not for her, obviously, for her ending, but it just, in a little town... A quaint little hardware store. I'm with you. I can see that. Yeah, so we're starting quaint. See? It's not where you thought it was starting. (laughs) Okay. Is it going to stay quaint? No. No. (laughs) So Ed had had been seen with Bernice shortly before her disappearance. And when law enforcement officials visited his farm, they found her body. And she had been fatally shot and decapitated. No. I know. Bernie. Persona. Here we go. I know. Okay. Ready, set, go. We need to start having snacks before we do this. Yeah. I'll bring snacks next time. I'm always down for snacks. Well, yeah, before, I guess, a gruesome tale of someone skinning people, but it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No meaty snacks. No meaty snacks. Oh, for certain. Especially after last week's. (laughs) Especially since I'm vegan. And that, too. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway back to Bernice I'll, I'll, also I wanted to say I was listening to last week's podcast and I really am realizing that if you were going to play a drinking game with our show if you picked the word so every time I said so and took a shot or a drink you would either be dead or completely wasted by the end of the show I'm like ma'am I say so a lot so so, and so do I. And I also say like a lot. And if you don't like it, you can suck it. So there. So there. <laughs> Maybe someone should do that. Take a drink. Tell us how drunk you got off of our podcast. There we Drinking go. Drinking game. <laughs> drink responsibly. <laughs> uh, so, um... Future examinations uh, of his home. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me let me go back. So actually, I wanted to mention her to- torso was dressed out like that of a deer. Oh. She had been shot with a 22 caliber rifle, and um, the mutilations were performed after her death. Uh, one of the things to note in, I believe it's Plainsville or Plainfield, um, where he is from, there's a lot of hunting. So it's not a plain field um, in Wisconsin. It's not unheard of 
to know how to dress out a deer or to have a gun. It's pretty normal in this town. Right, okay. So when the investigators examined his home later, it showed that he had systematically robbed graves and collected body parts, which he used to make household items, clothing, and masks. Also discovered on the property was the head of Mary Hogan, a tavern operator who had disappeared in 1954. So keep in mind, this is now 57. So it's been about three years since she went missing. On the occasions he dug up graves of recently buried middle-aged women, it was because he thought they resembled his mom. Oh, goodness. That's I wish your dog into. was here because <laughs> Mr. Sigmund Freud would have a lot to say probably about why this man was digging up women who looked like his mother. Um, he also uh, took the bodies home then after he robbed the graves and then tanned their skins to make his, quote, paraphernalia. Ed admitted. Wow. To- <laughs> I hope he doesn't have an Etsy store. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like, authentic leather belt. You're like, this oh, is the no. softest leather I ever did feel. Oh, no. And it has freckles. I Five love stars. It. Oh, no. Are there star ratings on Etsy? Yes. Sure. There's yeah. definitely reviews on Etsy. Of course. Yes. So, he admitted to robbing... See, I said so again. Ed admitted to robbing nine graves and then led investigators to their locations. Because authorities didn't believe this slim, weakly built Ed Gein was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave in one night, they exhumed two of the graves and found them empty, thus substantiating his confession. Wow. Yes. Actually, he also, at one point, the neighbors came over and was like, hey, haven't seen, um, oh... Uh, the uh, Mary Hogan. You're like, yeah, she just up and disappeared. And he was known for being a little odd. And I say that lightly. He was known for being odd. And so people just took it with a grain of salt when he said, oh, she's not missing. She's up at the house. Like he literally (laughs) is confessing and they're like, eh. eh." He didn't mention what she was doing. At yeah, the house. Was like she's up at the house and you're like, oh you you jokester, you yeah. Ed. Old Eddie. <laughs> Old oddball Eddie. Old oddball Eddie. Um investigators also found the remains of ten women in Ed's home. But ultimately he was linked to just two murders, that of Bernice Warden and another of Mary Hogan. So um So were the rest people that he dug up? Um, the issue with the rest of them was because he got crafty and, you know, skinned and things. It was... He did the macabre craft hour. The macabre craft hour. That is not a YouTube channel that I'm going to subscribe to. For sure not. It was really hard, especially then. Forensics has come so far since the 50s that it was really hard to identify and run DNA. Um, because of all these different, there was lampshades, there was chairs. Oh, gross. There was, actually, I, I have a comprehensive list we're about to get to. Oh, goody. <laughs> okay. I really I, like I, how you did the home alone face. You put both <laughs> hands on the sides of your face. <laughs> I am glad you're going first because we will need my story, which is going to be a good palate cleanser oh, after good. this. Yeah. 
something more positive. I was just like, you know what? I've done a lot of really odd out there tales. Let's go with a classic. Let's go with a classic. A gnarly classic. Let's, let's talk some more about... I'm not mad at it. Okay, okay all right. So give, okay. Me, give me the list. I think I'm ready. Well, for... Hold on. We're going to get there. Okay, okay. I'm just... I'm excited. You eager McBeaver. <laughs> when questioned... Ed told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 visits during the night to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies. He also claimed to have been in a daze-like state whenever he went grave robbing or killing his victims, so almost like a dissociative state. He said the details of the murders are a bit vague, um, but he established that, or it was established by investigators that victims were killed by shooting them with a 22 rifle. Okay. So he went into a daze like state, couldn't really remember some of the murders, but kind of he and investigators pieced together. He'd shot them with the 22. Okay. How did he get caught? Was it because of Bernice? It was because of Bernice. Yes. So what had happened was it was, um, Actually, I watched a documentary. Um, it was hunting season, and so a lot of the men of the town, because it's such a small town, went out to go hunting. Uh. Not animals. They were just getting, like, bark and woodland berries and things like that yeah, for sure. the vegan. Okay. <laughs> uh, my dad was a hunter when I was growing up, so I know all oh. about hunting. We had deer hanging in our garage. Oh, do you feel like that's what informed your choice to be a vegan a little bit? It could have started me on the path. Mm. I had a lot of questions when I was growing up about that whole yeah, that's intense thing. So, but we won't go into that. So, yeah, that's I know intense. all about the hunting. All the hunting and the guns. The hunting and the guns. <laughs> hunting and the guns was big in my house. Um so what had happened was what had happened was he went into the hardware store took advantage of this opportunity that a hardware store writes Typically, I would say, if someone asked me, it's going to be mostly males in a hardware store, especially in the 50s. <laughs> right, for sure. In the 50s, for sure. So he went in for some antifreeze and bought it, left, came back and said, I want to see the rifle in the window when she went to get it out to show him he shot her from behind. In the hardware store? In the hardware store. Ruthless. Yes. And reckless. Yes. And so, um, Ed had been seen with her shortly before her disappearance. So that's why they went to the farm. Oh. Because somebody, like, driving past oh, or okay. walking past saw. See, I already said it, Melissa. You did. Jeez. You, you already said that at the beginning. I just, yeah, I guess. Geez. I was so nervous <laughs> about where the story was going that I didn't even put it together. So. I wrote the notes. And I got I it. Forgot. I got it. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what it was. Yeah. I sometimes don't process. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, so, my memory is terrible. So between you and I. Now I'm up to speed. Mm-hmm. Sorry for everyone else for the detour that remembered that Liz already said that. <laughs> okay. Um, also, let's see. On about 30 of the cemetery visits that he'd said he'd made um, between 47 and 52, he'd come out of the day's wall in the cemetery left the grave in a collected manner, and then returned home empty-handed. What? 
So he basically said, <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, how did I end up in this cemetery again? I think once we talk about the trauma of his childhood, it might be a little more understanding. Because I know we've talked about dissociative states before and not uh-huh. really understanding yeah. um, how that kind of comes about. We've also kind of talked a little bit about the supernatural. So it could be some other supernatural kind of demonic possession or something like that. Oh, he's for sure a demon. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I have no doubt that absolutely. this man is a 100% a demon. Well, yeah. <laughs> like these poor middle-aged women, he's disturbing their grave. What um, a, yeah, you look he gross. He found them by targeting, uh, he would pick them as targets when he would look through the obituaries in the newspaper. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun Sunday read time. It's like, <laughs> the comics? Nah. He's like circling, like when you see like people that used to look like for jobs like on the, the newspaper, remember that? Remember newspapers, <laughs> everyone? <laughs> and they would circle it with like a big red sh- sharpie. He's like, ooh, this is a contender. I think that's absolutely dreadful. These poor people are trying to share in this small town the passing of their loved one, and he's using his hunting. So, yeah, that's disgusting. Uh-huh. I was like, I definitely, I know we get caught up in the sensationalism, but something Melissa and I've always talked about is wanting to be cautious about how we speak of the victims and how we process it and trying to make sure something good comes out of our discussions. So, um, (laughs) sensitive, sensitive, sensitive. So on that note, um, here's a segue. In the house, the authorities found four noses, whole human bones and fragments, nine masks of human skin, bowls made from skulls, ten female heads with the top sawed off, human skin covering several chair seats, Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, oh goodness, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack, nine vulvas in a shoebox. Vulvas in a shoebox. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Skulls on the bed. I like to just sandwich that in there. Skulls on the bedposts. Oh, my. Organs in the refrigerator. Ew. A pair of lips on a drawstring for a window shade. What? Uh-huh. A belt made from human female nipples. A lampshade made of from the skin of a human face. And a suit... Made from human body parts and skin. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine walking into that horror house? Well, especially because it's a small town. So stuff like this didn't happen. And so when authorities walked in there and they found, first of all, just poor Bernice hanging there. One of the uh, authorities, he, uh, officers vomited as one would. I'm sure the smell in there was dreadful. Oh, I'm sure. And you're just like, I would want to understand why. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 Why yeah, do you why? need a nipple belt? <laughs> they sell belts at Walmart. <laughs> it's less time consuming. Bernice might have had one at the hardware store, even. There you go. Get yourself a nice tool belt. <laughs> oh, not made of nipples. You don't. I I understand <laughs> wanting to have a nice crafty moment and create your own, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. not out of people. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like the bowls made of skulls. Was he eating out of them? I'm going to assume yes. I'm going to assume that's what they were used for. It's just like, <sighs> I can't. Well, it's like the darkest way to eat your cereal. Yeah. So he had a knack for crafts that he put to bad use instead of putting it to good use. We'll just... Yes. Well, the poor guy started out in the wrong... Uh, okay, I'm going to get to his early life, but I just... Yeah, I'm curious. want to say, after his arrest, Ed was diagnosed as having been schizophrenic as well as a sexual psychopath. His mental illness stemmed from his love-hate relationships towards women, which later turned into a full-scale psychosis. Oh, boy. Ed was charged for one count of first-degree murder in a Walshara... It's called Washara. <laughs> W-A-U-S-H-A-R-A. Wow. Don't know. I just always like to guess how things sound. That's how I'm saying it sounds. Uh, in a Washara ca- county court <laughs> courthouse, but um, pled not guilt- guilty by reason of insanity. In late 57, he was deemed unfit for trial and was subsequently confined in various psychiatric institutions. In 68, however, it was determined he could participate in his own defense and was put on trial. He was found guilty of killing Bernice, reportedly due to financial reasons. Prosecutors only tried one murder, but then was deemed insane at the time of the crime and returned to a mental hospital, where he remained until his death in 1984. Ugh. Ed was a model patient, often reading, engaging in occupational therapy, and took an interest in ham radio. He was quoted as being never, uh, they quoted, oh lord, <laughs> he was stated to have never been violent or troublesome. hope do. <laughs> which I find curious <laughs> that one would be confined due to insanity for killing people in such a violent manner and then he's like well I'm here now I'm good regular yeah. he, he passed away of complications from cancer in a Wisconsin prison at age 77 with only two murders attributed to him Ed does not meet the traditional definition of a serial killer. Nevertheless, his real-life case influenced the creation of several fictional serial killers, including Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Norman Bates from Psycho, and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Okay. So basically, he's... I love that movie. Silence of the Lambs. I know. That's a good one. I really like Psycho as well. Well, do you want to hear where he came from? I am very intrigued to hear. We're big, we're big Y people, so this yeah. this little this should should help a little. So, Ed was born in Wisconsin in La Crosse County to George and Augusta Geem, both natives of Wisconsin, who had also had uh, his brother Henry George Geem. Ed was the younger brother. Ed's father George was a drunk and usually unemployed and frequently physically abused Ed and his older brother, Henry. Their mother was a religious fanatic who also abused Ed and Henry and taught them that all women, herself excluded, were prostitutes and instruments of the devil. Ooh. 
I love how she's like, every woman. Well, except for me. Well, except for me. Except for me. Of course. Okay. Which, that, that already sounds pretty bad. Okay. I kind of want to go back to Augusta's childhood and be like, yo, girl, what happened to you? Exactly. Because yeah. it's, yikes. Because I'm like, you just, yeah, you want them all to yourself? What's going on here? So, despite Augusta's, and that's a mom, Augusta's deep contempt for her husband, the marriage endured because of the family's religious belief about divorce. So it's, you know, better to, to keep your children miserable together yeah. and shove the Bible down their throat and create this tension and terribly unhealthy atmosphere. Not to say that all people struggling need to get divorced, so I want to be clear. And not to say all people that are religious are fanatics that are unhealthy. I'm just saying this was a perfect storm of those two things. And I'm doing thinking hands now. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> These are my thinking hands. I like how Liz always tells you guys what she's doing with her hands. <laughs> Part of my charm is my... <laughs> My gesturing. I know. It's the Italian in me. <laughs> I think you're still pretty charming. Oh, thank you. Without your hands. If someone cut off your hands, I would still like you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Augusta Gein. Is that so good? Damn it. Augusta Gein operated a small grocery store and eventually purchased a farm on the outskirts of the small town of Plainfield, Wisconsin which then became the Gein family's permanent home. She moved her family to the small town in order to keep her sons away from any outside influences. A.K.A. keep better control. Keep them away from them women that are the devil. The instruments of the devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I was thinking about that movie Bubble Boy. Remember when the mom, like, keeps him in the bubble and tells him that he... Uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. I have not seen this movie. Oh, it was really dorky. Like, early teens, we enjoyed it <laughs> kind of movie. And she basically tells him, um, your immune system's compromised. You can't live outside the bubble. Well, in the end, his bubble gets punctured. Or he rips through it in a, in a gesture of love and finds out that he actually was fine the whole time. His mom was just making it up. That was a lie. I know, that could have been a lot darker movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a dark movie, it was, but it was a comedy. It was a comedy, yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Bubble Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not putting that on my watch list, but I'll, you, I liked your summary. Okay, I was like, I was just given a metaphor. Yeah. Um, Ed, of course, had a rough upbringing and was kept at the farm. He was only allowed to leave to go to school, where he was usually bullied by his classmates. His mom also scolded him whenever he tried to make friends. Despite this trauma, he did fairly well at school, especially at reading. Like I was mentioning, he liked to read and learn. Even when the Gein brothers were in their teens, they were kept at the farm, having only each other for company. Dating was out of the picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, cut to 1940, and George, their dad, died of a heart attack. Bye. Bye. So the Gein brothers took a, a number of odd jobs in the town and were actually both considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While they both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors. What? He enjoyed <gasps> babysitting, seeming oh. to relate more easily to children than adults. Goodness gracious. Well, isn't that a picture into his mind? <laughs> 
Can you imagine as a parent, you're like, okay, Ed, here you go, you know, watch the kids, thanks, and then cut to a few years later, you're seeing it come up in the news that Ed has done all these things. I would just... Horrifying. I, I think that you and I have both talked about this, and you mentioned last time with this cannibal cop that we discussed not letting your daughter ever date. Yeah, this is why we don't trust anyone. But then you're turning into Augusta. That easy. I'm just saying. I'm just going to I'm gonna leave you with that. I'm sticking with don't trust anyone. Okay. okay. I'm like, that's why you, you want to be my only friend, Melissa? I don't even trust you. Why? I because... brought you almonds. Lord knows what's going on in that little red-headed brain of yours. <laughs> That's right. We're supposed to be crazy. <laughs> Instruments of the devil, you redheads. That's what I've always heard. Anyway. Anyway, um, as Henry matured, this is the older brother, he came to reject his mother's view of the world and became worried about Ed's close attachment to her and would regularly speak poorly about her in front of him. Well, oh. in 1944... A brush fire came close to the farm, so Ed and Henry went over to put it out. After they put out the fire, Henry was found dead with blunt force trauma and no signs of having any burns from the fire. Though some investigators suspected, what we're all thinking, that Ed had killed him, the coroner listed the cause of death as asphyxiation and no charges were pressed. What? I do want to say the investigators suspected this, of course, later in hindsight, but the coroner, and you have to remember, this is a small town, and there's not a lot of forensic things, but yeah, I mean, like, blood force trauma, what did he fall on a rock? I mean, like, everything that I present, so yeah. maybe, uh, what I'm saying is maybe the pathologist, coroner, etc., didn't have a lot of training, especially if maybe they're more used to seeing, like, okay, the fire broke out the farm, or maybe tractor incidences. Yeah. Mishaps. Maybe it was lazy policing, too. Perhaps. Maybe they were just like, eh, case closed. They're like, well, we don't want this in our town. Exactly. Yeah. At this point, Ed gets kind of what he wants, and starts living alone with his mom, who then unfortunately suffers a series of strokes and died on on December 29th, 1945. But despite her death, he remains on the farm and makes a living doing various odd jobs, just like him and Henry did after Very odd. his dad's passing. Em- emphasis odd. on the odd. Emphasis on the odd. Ed actually boarded up the rooms that had been used by her, including the upstairs, and the downstairs parlor, and the living room. He lived in a small room next to the kitchen and began reading death cult magazines and adventure stories. Oh, so we got a contrast. the macabre <laughs> reading list, and we've got, like, the little kid reading list, because we know he does better <laughs> with smaller children. Got it. Okay. Um, there could also be the assumption that he didn't... Um, what's, it, what's it called when... Um, not disrespect a body, but, like, when someone misuses a body. Darn it. What's that term? Um, oh, God. Right? I'm assuming he, he wouldn't... I know I know the word, did. too. It's, he like, right there. Um, yes. I'm assuming he wouldn't 
disrespect his mother's corpse like that for fear of and you're gonna we're gonna both process it i'm gonna shout it out in the middle of your story just <laughs> what's that word i hate when that i happens. know okay it, i know it's words. gonna come to us if we just leave it processing in the back like opening yeah. a window it's loading people listening are like shouting the word at us right i know right? <laughs> i'm gonna be shouting the word back at myself when i listen to this um yes so damn it do it again after his mother's death, Ed had decided he wanted to become a woman. The bodies he collected were meant to be used as components for a woman's suit. Okay. Ed was a necrophiliac, as body parts excited him sexually, though he denied ever having sex with bodies on the grounds that they smelled too bad. So, well, you know, even he has standards. Even he has his limits. Oh, golly. I, I actually looked up and I didn't write this down because it was just kind of really getting a bit dark. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. There's different types of necrophilia. Oh. I always thought it was just um, the same word. The... the with the dead people and having sex with dead bodies. Defile. Defile. Ding, 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 ding. I knew it was a D word. I just could not See? get the rest of it. Okay. I'm so glad you got it. Okay, defile. Yes. I always thought it was just people who wanted to have sex with corpses. Yeah, me too. Um, but apparently it can be if he got excited sexually. Just being, like, in the vicinity or, like, it doesn't have to do with, like, an actual sex act necessarily. No. It's also known as... Thanatophilia uh -huh. and necrolagnia, and it's a sexual attraction to the dead. The word derived from the ancient Greek terms, uh, necros meaning corpse or uh, dead, and then philia, friendship. Yeah, what I is love that about word roots. I I just I've always been I'm cu so curious about stuff like that where it's like, what is that about? <laughs> just like your story last week like what's that about why how why does that end up in your brain i don't know i personally do not like dead bodies i find them very creepy because it's an empty person it's an empty person yeah this is like an empty shell of a person it's like it's not a person anymore and it's just their body and it's not moving or breathing I think personalities really make the person for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the fact that they can look at me and respond. Talking. I know you always like fun facts. I do. That aren't really fun. Yeah. So I actually have some. Okay. So remember how I mentioned Washashara County? Yes. Okay, well, the, the sheriff of Washashara County, uh, Art Schlaley. Schlaley. Schley. Schley. <laughs> allegedly physically assaulted Ed during questioning by banging Ed's head and face into a brick wall, causing Ed's initial confession to be ruled inadmissible. Oh. But I'm sure it felt good. Shaley died of a heart attack in December of 1968 at 43, only a month after testifying at Ed's trial. Many who knew him said he was traumatized by the horror of Ed's crimes and that this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Ed, led to his early death. One friend said he was a victim of Ed as surely as if he had butchered him. Wow. Mm -hmm. And after, of course, Ed is charged and 
um, I hate saying committed, but um, put in the psychological institution. Uh-huh. Committed. Committed. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. Um, in 1958, his home was going to go up for auction. No. Yes. And Bull. so a lot of people had their eyes on it because it's like the house of horrors, you know, yeah. that people would charge admission. And so all the people at the town didn't want it to be marred by this one terrible person, which I can understand. Yeah. It was mysteriously destroyed in a fire, the Ooh. origins of which remain unclear. Mysteriously. Unfortunately... The moron who sold his car didn't think about this. <laughs> I should say moron. That's just my feelings. So the, the car which he had used to haul the bodies of his victims around was sold at public auction for $760, which translates to today about $5,700 to a carnival sideshow operator, Bunny Gibbons. Gibbons later charged carnival goers 25 cents admission to see it. So this is kind of where we start seeing this real intrigue when it comes to serial killers. Uh-huh. Um, also, his gravesite in the Plainfield Cemetery was frequently vandalized over the, over the, over the years. And souvenir seekers would chip off pieces of his gravestone before the bulk of it was stolen in 2000. Shit. The gravestone was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle and is now in a museum in Washoshara County. Yeah, I've heard of this happening before with people like this where they've actually had to bury them like in unmarked graves yeah. because people will come and vandalize the grave or use it as a chance to sell things. Yeah. Like get, I saw one where it was even like genuine dirt from Ed Gein's gravesite um, who wa- i don't want that i'm sorry if you're a collector of strange and morbid <laughs> items like that you do you but for me personally no i'm too superstitious i'm like keep that energy away from my space see i wouldn't want it in my home but the creepy curious side of me which i guess we're no better than the people paying 25 cents because i went to a museum of death before which I think I've mentioned, and there's souvenirs from killers. I think there's a fascination with so many of us don't have a grasp on how such violence can be committed, that there's that intrigue that we want to understand. Yeah, but I don't want to own a piece of it. True. I would have paid Bunny 25 cents to see the car, sure. Would you have gone to his biographical musical titled Ed Gein the Musical that premiered in Wisconsin on January 2nd, 2010? Well, um, fun fact about me, I actually really hate musicals, Mm. so, and I hate murderers who turn people into furniture, so double no on that one. (laughs) No interest. Not spending my money on that. Nope. Um, I actually really got interested in psychosis because so much of, like, what we're saying that we're, there's a misunderstanding around it. And I'm going to wrap up with this just to say, because, quote, patients suffering from schizophrenia, uh, because I'm I'm asking, let me just reiterate the question. Does everyone suffering from psychosis become violent? So that was really the question that I kind of wanted to research for myself. So, quote, 
patients suffering from schizophrenia are often portrayed in the media as being unpredictably aggressive and impulsive, the result is increased stigmatization and poor treatment outcomes. Multiple factors including insufficient social support, check, that Ed had, substance abuse, check, the dad had, symptom exacerbations, can precipitate aggressive behaviors. Moreover, failure to treat schizophrenic patients adequately is a major risk factor for aggression, which I know in and of itself, treatment of schizophrenic patients is difficult, trying to keep them on medication, right? Yeah, but I think what this guy did is way outside the realm of Mm -hmm. just being tied to schizophrenia or any sort of mental illness. Like, I feel like this is some sort of deranged behavior. Oh, something. Something. Additional. Because they called him a schizophrenic and sexual psychopath with having um, full-scale psychosis. Yeah. I personally believe that people who do things like this they are like born with something in them that mm. gives them the desire and the ability interesting to do that i don't i don't know cuz there's so many yeah he had trauma and like a shitty upbringing but there's so many people that have so much trauma that do mm-hmm. not go on to do things like this mm-hmm. i mean the vast majority of people that have trauma don't go on to do things so i think yeah. there has to be something special and maybe like i'm sure this has been researched and i just don't know the facts and everything about it but like there has to be something different about the brains of mm-hmm. people who do this like on a physical level like on a physical like on a like a anatomical mm-hmm. level you know mm-hmm. i don't know if it's something that's developed maybe you have it and it, and it's triggered by something. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. someone could have that in them, and it's never like pushed to the point where they're gonna do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I I feel like people are born neutral. I mean, there's nature and nurture, of course. Yeah. So I mean, they're definitely. I shouldn't just say neutral. That's making it sound so simple, and I don't think that there's anything simple about what's going on, taking human lives and doing such terrible things. Yeah. Well, like they also pointed out, and this is something I wrote down, that people's uh, management of psychosis has really improved dramatically over the past hundred years when typically, you know, people with psychotic symptoms are locked up in asylums, whereas in present day, effective treatments mean that most people who experience psychotic episodes can live a normal and fulfilled life. But again, this is very complex, and then we're not going to solve it sitting here. And I just wanted to kind of chat about that, because I really wanted to see what, you know, people with psychosis, you know, so many people that are homeless, people say they're going to be violent, they're portrayed sometimes as being violent, whereas so many of them being people suffering from severe mental illness themselves tend to be more victimized. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And I used to work in a psychiatric hospital and acute care psychiatric Mm -hmm. hospital and the majority of our patients suffered from schizophrenia and Mm. uncontrolled most often because there just aren't the resources 
to help people mm-hmm. manage their illness. Like if you're if you are on the more severe end of things and you have trouble remembering your medications or getting them filled if like mm-hmm. you said if you're homeless if you don't have transportation if you don't have you know there's so there is so many layers to it but like all in all there was we had plenty of schizophrenic patients even in crisis that weren't violent yeah so i yeah. don't think schizophrenia definitely you know like necessarily leads to violence or violent behavior but i think it's portrayed that way yeah and i think that adds to the stigmatization mm-hmm. and it's sad that that's a thing, and hopefully we're going to become more aware of that as a society, but... Yeah. Hashtag NAMI. Hashtag NAMI and hashtag Ed... Eddie boy. <laughs> Eddie Eddie. Spaghetti. Oh, oh, he was... No. <laughs> he had some deep, deep demons. Well, he, Eddie Spaghetti was eating spaghetti out of a human skull. Yeah. Blah. All right, Liz, thanks so, for that. You're welcome. Now that information is in your head. Now it is. <laughs> it's fine. It's a few hours till I go to bed. So. Oh, no. <laughs> and now we're going to move on to my story. Woohoo! I'm ready. Which is a story of a man named Sergei Ponomarenko. See, you're so much better with names than I am. No, I don't think that was good, but thanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounds good to me because I've never heard it before. Not Watertata County. And uh, <laughs> we're going to... Okay, so... I'm glad you start like I do. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Sergey Ponomarenko, the time traveler? Ooh. Question mark? Oh, question mark. So I'm very intrigued by the concept of time travel. One of my favorite movies growing up was Back to the Future. Oh, I was just talking about that movie the other day. Yeah. I was quoting a line from it. Run for it, Marty! (laughs) Oh, such a good movie. And yeah, as a kid, I was like, interesting. And now still as an adult, I'm like, interesting. So... (laughs) Let's talk about it. I'm ready. So on April 23rd, 2006, a 25-year-old man was found disoriented, walking Mm. aimlessly down the street with a camera in his hand in the streets of Kiev, Ukraine. The man was approached by two policemen who asked him to identify himself. They noticed that he looked confused and was dressed in clothing that looked old-fashioned. I think we know where this is going. Uh-huh. <laughs> the camera he was carrying also appeared to be old-fashioned. It was an old-timey film camera. But oddly, it looked like it was new. So if you haven't figured it out already, this man who's walking disoriented on the street was Sergei. So Sergei pulls out his ID and hands it over to the police officers and... They were confused to see the man's photos on this document that was from the 1950s and was issued by the USSR, which obviously was not Not a thing thing. in 2006. Yeah. Um, Under his name, Sergei Ponomarenko, his place of birth said Kiev, and the year of his birth was 1932. Hmm. But Sergei only appeared to be in his 20s. 
Wow. Yeah. So Sergei tried to explain who he was, but the more he explained, the more confused the police were. Uh, they thought Sergei was probably having some sort of mental health crisis, so they ended up taking him to a psychiatric hospital. The police asked a psychiatrist named Dr. Pablo Kutrikov to help figure okay. out this strange case. When Sergei walked into Dr. Kutrikov's office, he observed his surroundings carefully. Sergei noticed that the clock on the wall had stopped. He asked Dr. Kutrikov the time. Dr. Kutrikov checked his watch but realized that his watch had also stopped. What? Both the clock and the watch had stopped at the same time, 12.32 p.m. So that's odd. We'll take, hmm. we'll take note of that because this links back to a different story that we told before. Okay. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Kutrikov asked Sergei to have a seat and began to interview him. During his interview, Sergei told Dr. Kutrikov that he was born in 1932 in Kiev and that he was 25 years old. As I mentioned before, in the year 2006, Sergei still appeared as a young man in his 20s. So something fishy is going on here. He told the doctor that it was his day off, and so he went out for a walk and was going to take some photos. When he was on his way home, he saw an odd, bell-shaped object floating in the sky nearby. He couldn't figure out what it was. And, of course, this is back in the 50s, so aviation was not to the point it is now. So there's no, like, drones flying around and shit like that. It's just, like, it wasn't really common to just see stuff floating around in the sky, right? So he was like, what <laughs> well, the heck like, is no, that? we just see all kinds of space junk. <laughs> just all kinds of spaceships. I mean, really, if you see something flying, you're like, no big deal. Like, well, it's probably a plane or a drone or a hand glider. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. That's, that's what I usually think, anyway. Satellite. <laughs> So he sees this thing flying around. This is where we hearken back to the other episode about our alien abduction Mm -hmm. of Terry and Toby, where they had their camera equipment with them, but they did not think to take a picture. Well, Sergey, being the smarty pants he is, was like, oh, well, what is this thing? I'm going to take a photo of it. So he explained to Dr. Kutrikov that he took the photo and immediately afterward he turned around and noticed that his surroundings had completely changed. What? He didn't recognize anything around him and he couldn't find his way back home. It was shortly after that when Sergei ran into the police. I would think that also it would feel like there's quite the time gap there. You'd be like, what is this? You know, buildings look different. Lights look different. Yeah. I think I would be totally... Discombobulated. So, yeah, which he was. That's why the police came up to him and were like, Sir, are you okay? Because <laughs> you look. <laughs> you look discombobulated. You look discombobulated as fuck. <laughs> which <that>. he was. <laughs> so suddenly, Sergei was on the streets of Kiev in 2006. So everybody around is in disbelief about what this guy is telling them. But he said he took a picture of the UFO he saw. So, yeah, you know, and he still had the camera and film with him. Mm-hmm. So next logical step is to try and develop it and yeah. see what they could see. Since the techniques to develop film for old cameras like the one that Sergei had were different from those used in 2006, they had to seek out an expert in photography for some help. So they found a man named Vadim Poisner. And he confirmed that the type of film that was in the camera was old AF, 
and <laughs> had stopped being manufactured in the 70s. Um, another odd mm. thing he noticed, film can usually preserve well for two or three years. If film is frozen, it can be preserved for up to 20 years. In order to extend the life of a roll of film, it has to be placed in an airtight container and stored in a dry and cool place. But the film from Sergei's camera was in perfectly good condition and not damaged at all. <laughs> Sergei's camera was manufactured by Yashima Flex, a Japanese company, and was considered a collectible item by the year 2006. With the use of some special equipment, this Mr. Poisoner guy managed to develop the role of film. Dr. Kuchikov, Kuchikov, Kuchikov. Dr. K. Dr. K. And other experts checked the photos developed from Sergei's film. The streets in the photos looked quite different from those in 2006. The year 1958 could be seen on the lower right corners of the pictures, which that used to happen in photos. <laughs> For all of you kids out <laughs> For there. For all you kids out there. I mean, I wasn't alive in the 50s, but I definitely have pictures of, like, my dad when in the 50s, and it always says the year on the bottom. On, like, a black and white? Yeah. There's, like, a white frame. Yeah. You know, the picture is, like, in the middle, and there's a white frame, and then there's the date on the bottom. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm envisioning in my head that these photos look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the photographs showed photos taken throughout the streets of Kiev, just like he said. He was out taking photos, including the street that Sergei identified at his, as his address. There was also a photo of a young couple. The man in the photos was Sergei, and the woman was his girlfriend, Valentina. What? In the picture... Sergey wore exactly the same clothes as he was wearing in 2006. Yeah. So and these are multiple pictures on the roll. Being multiple developed? pictures on the roll. Yeah. Okay. So there's pictures of the streets of Kiev. There's pictures of him and his girlfriend Valentina. Wow, she looks old AF too. And uh, <laughs> him just wearing the same outfit. Maybe he only had one outfit. I'm not sure, but he was wearing the same outfit in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people didn't have a lot of outfits back in the 50s. <laughs> one or two is all you need. And the final photo on the roll of film was an image of exactly what Sergei said was the last photo he had taken. It was a photo of the flying bell-shaped object in the sky. Mm. So I have that photo. I'm going to post it on Instagram. What? Yeah. So Dr. Kuchikov, Kov, Dr. K, <laughs> believed the pictures were authentic and the flying object was a UFO. So Dr. K is on board. He's like, oh, oh shit, gosh. you're a time traveler and UFOs sent you here, which is pretty astonishing. Usually I feel like psychiatrists and doctors would be more skeptical and look for other explanations. You would but think. He was sold. So yeah. it's fine. I'm trying to look up the, I want to see the bell shaped. I can't wait. Oh, you can't wait. I can wait. You I'll can wait. wait. Okay. 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 Okay, wait, but I have it. There it is. I need all the information if I'm going to... Oh! What? Looks like he needs to clean off his lens. <laughs> There's a smudge. <laughs> it looks like a schmutz. There's <laughs> <laughs> hey, UFO and my lens cracked. Okay, I, I'm a believer. Go ahead. The duration of the story. Yeah. Okay, so... When the interview was over... Sergey returned to his room 
And as we know, this was a psychiatric facility. So there was only one window in Sergei's room and it was very small and it had bars on it. And his door was locked and there was a video camera monitoring the hallway where the entrance to his room was. So on the video footage, you can see Sergei enter his room, but that's the last time anyone in 2006 ever saw him. He never came back out, but he wasn't found in the room either. So he just mysteriously vanished. People believed that there was only one possible explanation. Aliens. Sergei had returned to the year he had come from. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. They walked in, they're like, oh, geez, I'm getting fired over this. Where'd he go? (laughs) Where'd he go? They did, they, like, put out, like, a call to the police, and they were like, hey, we this guy escaped or whatever, but nobody ever found him, and it's not known how he could have escaped because there's no video footage, so. And if he's a regular Joe, it's not like they could, like, look him up historically. Well... Like they did in Back to the Future 3. So, (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Kutrikov wanted to do a little more digging to try to figure out what the heckity heck was going on here. Yeah, thanks, Dr. K. So, he was given access to police records, and he found a file for Sergei that showed that he had another run-in with the authorities in 1978. At the age of 46. What? When he was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct. Well, after time traveling, he's got a little PTSD going on. Just I'm sure. And driving. <laughs> Probably. Oh, my God. His file contained a mugshot. Uh. And it was, in fact, Sergei as an older man. What? The record also showed that he had passed away three months later in a car accident. Maybe drinking also from drinking. Don't know. So by 2006, Sergei was already dead. So there was no way to track down present day Sergei and be like, hey, what's up? You remember me? <laughs> like you time traveled to me and now I'm here. No, so no way to do that because he was dead. That would have been cool. But I was just ready to be a skeptic and now I'm like, there what? was one other person who could have some details to share. His girlfriend. His girlfriend, Valentina. Which is also one of my favorite drag queens in BTW. I was like, that's a great name. Shout out Valentina. <laughs> if she was alive, she would be the only clue and witness to this strange episode in history. Fortunately, the police were able to find Valentina. She I'm was just gasping over here. <gasps> so I'm taking yes. up all the air in this closet. <laughs> There's not much left. She was 74 years old in the year 2006. So they tracked her down. They were like, hey, yo, here's what happened. And she was like, wow, okay. She gets out her photo album, and she found a photo that she took with Sergei in 1958. And it was exactly the same photo that was found in Sergei's camera in 2006. When Dr. Kuterkov showed her the photo, the same photo, Valentina was very surprised and asked where he had gotten it. Valentina confirmed that it was authentic. Question. If he's in 2006 with the camera in the film, and they processed it... This is the same question I had. I know where you're going. <laughs> did they keep the... Did he keep the film? Did they give him, a like, a copy of the picture? And he's like, guess what, babe? Here's a souvenir from my, my time traveling. Exactly. See, that part of the story didn't add up to me. And I was like, well, how would she have a picture? Yeah. 
And they also have a picture from yeah. the same camera when they developed it there. And I'm pretty sure if he's in a psych hospital, they're not like, here's all your stuff back. Yeah. That we're investigating. Yeah. So. Oh. Also, there were two different stories that I found about what Valentina had to say about Sergei's disappearance. Mm. So the first story says that Valentina did confirm that Sergei disappeared for an entire week in 1957, and upon his return, he refused to give the details of where he had gone. So that's story number one. Story number two is Valentina recalled that Sergei once told her some very strange and extraordinary things. Sergei had described to her what the future was like. He told her about the microwave and how easily it could cook a meal in a few minutes using electricity. Imagine. Babe, there's this thing called a lean cuisine. (laughs) You should see the TV quality. It's in color. I had a hot pocket. It burned the shit out of my mouth. Don't eat that. (laughs) Don't eat that. Um, A Ukrainian television program called One Plus One Discovery Time Travelers looked into the matter back then. This was back in the 50s because they must have heard about his story, I guess. So a team of experts from the TV program located an old audio an old audio recording from 1960 in the TV station's archive. Mm. Wait, pause. So Uh. that means that probably of those two stories, if they're finding something in an archive, which you haven't finished telling me, then that would mean that that first story of him not saying anything probably wasn't true. Because if he hadn't said anything, then nobody would be interested in recording him. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So... Just wanted to clear my thoughts. Yeah. So apparently, according to second story, yeah, he came back, he was blabbing all over the place about his time travel experience, so this place was like, oh, well, let's do an interview with you. So... (laughs) Um, I guess this recording was done in 1960, and the recording was an interview with um, Sergei, of course, obviously. (laughs) In the interview, Sergei talked about what technology would be like in 40 years. He mentioned the microwave, the wireless telephone, and which was a cell phone, (laughs) and the artificial heart. Sergei described that man would be able to get an artificial heart that runs on batteries. I'm not sure if that's how artificial hearts work, but okay. Okay, so we found out about a pacemaker in while he was being held and must have seen a microwave. Well, it explains in a second. Oh, sorry. So the interviewer, really <laughs> the interviewer was shocked and said to Sergey, if you did not provide so much detail, I'd surely think you lost your mind. <laughs> Just Sir- in that point. <laughs> That voice, exactly. (laughs) Sergei's description of the artificial heart amazed experts, too, because he used modern medical terminologies, which were unheard of in the 1960s in the USSR. Mm. Back in 2006, the surveillance video showed that before Sergei entered Dr. Kuchikov's office, he was observing hospital staff using a microwave. One of the staff members was reading a magazine which talked about an artificial heart. The surveillance video also showed Sergei asking the staff about their cellular phones. Thus, investigators believed that Sergei shared what he saw in 2006 with the USSR in the 1960s. 
the team of experts for the One Plus One Discovery documentary included a psychiatrist, a physicist, a photography expert, a policeman, and other eyewitnesses. There were videos, audio recordings, and pictures to support Sergei's account. Now, here is where my skepticism comes in, because I couldn't find any of these online, nor any other info about Sergei that wasn't related to this particular story. Hmm. There is a competitive ice dancer by the same name, which <laughs> added a little layer of difficulty to my search because I kept being like, oh, there he is. Nope, that's an ice dancer. Nope, nope. Oh, nope. Still not him. How unfortunate for this ice dancer. So the question is, is this a hoax? Is this all a made? I want to believe it's true. And this isn't the only story out there that is reported like this. That's yeah. like somebody showed up somewhere mm-hmm. that they weren't supposed to be. And they were like, whoa, I'm from this year. And then all of a sudden they were gone again. So is this happening? Or is this just like fun story time and like kind of a fun thing to imagine might happen? I feel like if it really, I don't know. Hmm. I want to believe. I was like, I was ready to be skeptical and you're providing information like, uh, yeah, I'm like, do, Valentina, I mean, what happened? Why did he start drinking? Like, was that related? Or, I don't know. I want to talk more. Or, or, like, I'm sure I would see, or we would see some type of an interview of Valentina. Yeah, you we would, would think, see. I mean, we see right. the picture. Mm-hmm. But again, as I noted, it could be a smudge. Right. On yeah. a lens. <laughs> um. Yeah, and there's ways to alter photos, and there's there are definite ways to, like, create documents that aren't real and photos that aren't real and things like that, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think if this had really happened, there would be more out there to I, I discover started... about it. Now, there were a couple documentaries that I came across on YouTube, but they were all in Russian. Oh, you don't speak Russian? I don't anymore. No, mm. I, I just fell out of it and never picked it back up again. So. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I started to say what you did. Like, if this was real, you would think you would hear more of it. But then I thought also if there's people skeptical, yeah, then they might have not reported on it. Or there's also the good old theory of the uh, government to cover up. Ooh, I do believe in conspiracy theories like that. I do believe in government cover-ups, and I do believe in things happening and us not always being abreast of the entire situation. I guess what would be the benefit of the government covering it up? Because it's related to aliens and UFOs. The government doesn't want us to know about that. I mean, I want to believe in time travel. I think it's a really fun story. Yeah, it is a fun story. I thought it was a super fun story and a super interesting thing to think about and time travel has always interested me because or like the concept that there could be time travel because I always thought like what would it be like to show up in a totally different time period I would probably be like Biff I'm sorry to say I'd probably be like Biff in in Back to the Future and be like oh great I'm gonna pick up this sports almanac (laughs) and make sure that my future kids and grandkids are set up (laughs) yeah and then you'd open up a horrible casino and you would abuse your lovers and (laughs) obviously you would destroy the whole town (laughs) 
that's the plot of Back to the Future too. Everyone, if you didn't know, Ugh, yes, that's a great movie. I loved the whole trilogy of Back to the Future movies. Were great. Number one was still my favorite, but I did like the other following. Like I think the two, two was mine. Movies. Really, you like that? That was the first time in my life a sequel was more interesting than the original. Really, yeah. I loved the original so much. But if I were to time travel, I'd probably want to go to the future, not the past, because for one, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. For two, I'm a gay woman. But how do you know it doesn't somehow get worse in the future again? Oh, true. If anything, what this if past worse? four years has taught us. I'm like nodding now. Yeah. Things can get worse. worse. <laughs> Shit. We can go back in time if we elect the wrong president. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, um, uh, how did you find this story? Um, I don't remember. It was one of those things where I was like, (gasps) I could be. What year would I be from? I think I'm more of a planet traveler. I mean, I I am kind of from the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. (laughs) Um, I might be from a different planet. That would be more plausible to me. Oh, I like it. And we get along so well, we're probably from the same planet. We're probably from the same planet. Yeah. We're yeah. the besties on another planet, too. Yeah. What if there's a pair... What, what about parallel versions of us living somewhere? I know. How do you feel about that <gasps> theory? Don't even get me started on parallel universes. I should do a, a yes. talk on that. Because you talked about, before this time travel, when you talked about, um, what was it, uh, people could go um, wormholes to, what was it? Uh, somewhere else they could you had a word trans did i yeah you said there was like people could go like uh, travel they walk through wormhole and then they end up somewhere else oh the roving wormhole roving wormhole i don't know i was like trans i was thinking like another you know like transitional trans yeah the roving the egg, wormholes, yeah. which I couldn't find any info on roving wormholes so, so. i i thought that's where you were going with this honestly my brain is full of questions <laughs> and no answers. I know. I would think that we, if it was really true, I mean, to be able to see that clip of the recording of his, well, on that show, golly, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> Discovery, <laughs> whatever it was, one plus one Discovery. Yeah. So it had a really long name. Um, Yes, I would think that interview would be available for our viewing pleasure, but I could not find it. So, suspicious? A little. Uh, I think so. So, everyone out there, weigh in. You know what? Tell us your thoughts. I would definitely like that. And I also think that we should find, like, a good alienologist, I'm sure that's a word, on some type of social media site and get in good and be like, listen, we have a podcast and we have lots of questions. I need to know. Well, you know, if you haven't noticed, a lot of my stories link back to aliens. The people disappearing in the woods, mm-hmm. the time travel, the, what are other ones? Demons. It's all demons. <laughs> it's all demons. <laughs> demons and aliens. <laughs> Everything is because of demons and aliens. Just we remember. solved it. We can go home now. <laughs> That's it. Case closed. I really, the fun side of me really wants to believe it's true. The skeptical side of me goes, mm, and then the part of me that also believes in government cover-ups is like, mm, probably. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to say yes. You are? Okay. I'm you're going to say go- yes. You're going yes on this one. Sure. Why not? I am 50% yes, 50% no. 
Yeah. What? I said yes and you're 50-50? I know that never happens. You're usually the skeptic. I I just want to be fun. I wanted you to like me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I already like you as I, much as possible. I. It sounds fun. It sounds like a really fun tale. It is a fun tale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I almost said text me. <laughs> text me, everyone. <laughs> you have my number. You can email us at odds.ends.pod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at odds.ends.pod. And... Give us a rating. We haven't been telling people to give us a rating, but if you're listening on an app that allows you to give ratings to podcasts, Mm. give us a rating. Could I say rating one more time? Probably not. Rating. Rating. Just like I said, small town. They're from a small town. As long as it's a five-star rating. Yes. If you have bad things to say, just text Melissa. (laughs) Just keep them to yourself. Turn (laughs) us off. Why are you even listening if you don't like us? Because we're so darn adorable. (laughs) Yeah, speak for yourself. All right, I'm going to go head to Walmart to buy a belt. Yep, same. Vegan, leather, not nipple belt. Okay, that's the end. Bye.